Come on then. I was very blessed to have been raised in a Christian home where I went to church and was regularly read the Bible. From a young age, I was aware of the importance of Jesus in the lives of everyone and the value of sharing this with as many people as possible, something I did not hesitate to do. I remember one night, aged four, when I was sat reading the Bible with my family, talking about the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ, when I became convicted of the imminent importance of putting my trust in Jesus. It was a very uncomplicated faith at the time, but it was a faith nonetheless. I knew that I was a sinner, I knew that Jesus is God, and the only way to be saved is to believe in him. I believe that he died on the cross and rose again, and that through him I would receive eternal life in heaven. I can't remember exactly what I prayed that night, but from that night I committed my life to the Lord Jesus, asking him to be the head of my life, marking the beginning of a personal relationship with my Saviour. From that moment, God began to work in my heart, and I became utterly convicted of the need for everyone to hear the gospel. At school, I would evangelise to my friends and explain the importance of accepting Christ as their saviour too, much to the dismay of my teachers. Later on, I was blessed to witness both my cousin and granddad coming to faith, miracles which further showed the extent of God's power and how he can work through anyone, even someone like me. Something I struggled with in earlier years of my faith was lack of assurance that I was saved. I felt like I wasn't living a good enough life and would think that every time I sinned, it would make God stop loving me. However, being a Christian doesn't mean that you lead a sinless life, but rather that God forgives us every time we sin and continues to make us more and more like him. I also found it challenging that I was growing up as a Christian as I cannot necessarily compare my behaviour now to when I was unsaved. Despite this, as I have grown in spiritual maturity, it is clear to me of the continual transformation that is taking place inside of me. Recently, at the beginning of this year, I felt convicted that I should get baptised, as not only is it a command in the Bible, but it is a way of witnessing to those around me about my faith and the difference it has made in my life. Something I'm here to do today. Praise the Lord. That's beautiful. And Hannah, uh, we always give um, uh, the baptismal candidates a verse from the Bible. I've given you two, and James, you've got two as well, so you'd have to be jealous. (laughs) But uh, Philemon, verse 6, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Pretty sure both of you actually are going to be very powerful evangelists for the Lord. But a word of assurance as well. 1 Peter 1.5 says that we are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. God bless you today. It's lovely. James, come and tell us how you came to know the Lord. We'd love to hear. Our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, has humbled me. I am not the man I once was, a man who walked in the darkness and a man uninterested in truth, a man who loved the world yet had no love for his creator. Does this mean that God hates me for the rebellion I cast upon his laws? Certainly not. He has forgiven me for every act of evil I have ever committed. Even now, as I try to imitate Paul, as Paul imitates Christ, I am still a sinner who falls into the temptation from the evil one. It took me 21 years to find Christ, and before Christ, my sin was without repentance. In fact, if I was living in Israel in the Old Testament, I would have been killed a thousand times over. Being in a terrible state, lost and not yet found, 
One night I was in my bedroom scrolling through my TikTok. For some reason, my head was suddenly drawn to the Bible on my shelf. I looked back to my phone and there was a video of a Jewish Christian preaching the gospel to the Jewish of faith in Jerusalem. I thought nothing of, of this video until I scrolled down and the next seven videos were all of this preacher. Now anyone who understands how TikTok works knows that the app follows an algorithm that shows you exactly the kind of videos that you've been liking. And I had not been liking videos of this sort. After this, I thought it was a bit weird, but didn't think too much of it. This was God's first attempt at knocking on my door. A few days go by, and I'm on a walk, because I'm still lost on purpose, and the one thing I never did was look up at buildings in my surroundings, which I realised. But this time, I realised there, there were loads of signs and writings on top of the buildings all around Bath. Two signs stood out to me. The first one said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The second one said, Jesus died for your sins. Now this was God's second attempt at knocking. Now I was curious, so I started reading the Bible and started on Revelation. Why did I start on Revelation? Well, I wanted to know what was still to take place, and believe me, after reading that, I was shocked and had never heard about any of this stuff when I was younger, or even at Sunday school. Revelation made me curious for what the rest of the Bible said, so I went back to Matthew and read through the whole New Testament over a duration of time. Now at this point, I wasn't fully in or fully out, I was still exploring Christianity. This next point of knocking was actually knocking from me. I was reading about the power of prayer, and I had prayed in, the, and I, and I had prayed in my past, but I had never truly cared for it. But this time I prayed, and I really prayed, believing something would change. What I prayed for was for God to suppress my hay fever as it was really bad and my nose was running all the time and I was repeatedly sneezing. And I work as a waiter at Bill's restaurant in the centre of Bath. And as God says, ask and you shall receive. Since that very morning, the morning after I prayed, I have not experienced hay fever once. Now to be sure, I checked the pollen scales, the pollen levels and types and amounts and they were all the same showing this, that this was not even an event by chance, but an event by God's omnipotence. Now going back to why I was seeking truth in the first place, I was lost because of a girl I thought was everything to me, but turned out just to be a person that would break me down enough for Jesus to knock at the door and bring me to my faith. I didn't know it at the time, but God brought this girl into my life so that he could eventually bring himself into my life, or rather he was always there. But this was just the first time I allowed him to to be a part of my life. So much more has happened and we all know that God is 100% real. I've experienced Christians telling me to slow down and that I'm taking things too seriously. <laughs> I've had people call me racist, sexist, homophobic and hating towards other religions just because of my beliefs in Christ and their lack of knowledge in the scripture. More prayers been answered like finding this church from a man in Montana who recommended it to me. My friend group has shrunk into minimal, but I hope I can call you all friends and brothers in Christ now. Amen. Yeah. Lukewarm Christians, I've experienced a lot of stuff with. Spiritual warfare from visiting places like Glastonbury. I've been told I had a mental condition because of my faith in Christ, which I can't remember the term for it. But it's the idea that the fear of God is a condition and not reality. 
people have been get really angry when I speak about God and I've lost everything that the worldly desire and exchange I've gained everything that the godly live for all thanks to Jesus Amen, praise the Lord praise God uh, two equally beautiful testimonies, thank you and James, the two verses we would like to give to you today are Romans 8.31 what then shall we say to these things if God is for us, who can be against us you face a lot of opposition, and you probably will for the rest of your life now. But if God is for us, who can be against us? And uh, in Psalm 32, verse 8, this one was especially in my heart to give you, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. If you walk with the Lord and listen to his word, he'll guide you. And uh, who knows where he'll guide you and what, he, what you'll be doing for him. God bless. So, folks, what we're going to do now is I'm just going to ask Dave Beezer if he will help me. We're going to just move the uh, lectern and the microphone, and then uh, Kwesi and I are going to come down into the water, and then we'll call Hannah first, and then James to be baptised. Um, and uh, what we'll do then is uh, we, after... Now, let me get this right. When the candidates come up out of the water, we're going to sing the chorus from that hymn, There is a Redeemer. Okay, we'll just sing that as they come up. Lilla will start us off with the piano and we'll sing Thank You, All My Father, just to help them as they come out the water. And uh, uh, it's a beautiful thing uh, to be baptised and to to, uh, have that sung as you're coming out the water. Uh, And then uh, after the baptisms, Dave is going to take over until I come back after getting changed and hopefully the others coming back as well. (laughs) So... Let's do this then, shall we? Let's, Cressy's going to help me with the baptism. There's a pointer on there, Dave. Thank you. Let's move this bottle out of the way. Dave very wisely told me to remember to take off the mic.
her from this day forward to walk with you, remembering those words of the Lord Jesus Christ, which he said, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. Amen. We pray that you would equip her with every gift she needs to serve you, Lord, from the Holy Spirit, and we commit her to you now. In Jesus' name. read to you a passage from the Bible in John chapter 14, John chapter 14, and uh, there are four books of the New Testament that give us the life story, as it were, of the Lord Jesus Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And John has some very special words uh, in his gospel that he recorded that the others others didn't record. So we're grateful for his words here. John chapter 14, would like to read, I know it says verse 6 up there, I'd like to read from the beginning of the chapter, just the, the five verses before. And to put you in the scene, the Lord Jesus and his disciples have just had the Last Supper, and they're in the upper room in Jerusalem, and it's, uh, it's just before he's going to be handed over to the Romans to be 
put on trial and then he's going to go to the cross. So this is quite an emotional and tense moment. And the Lord Jesus says this. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Heard about a little boy who was asking his dad lots of questions. He said, Dad, he said, Dad, why is the grass green? And Dad wasn't too hot on science at school. And he said, do you know what, son, I, I never, don't know the answer to that one. And a little boy walked on with his dad a bit further down the road, and he looked up at the sky and said, Dad, why, why is the sky blue? And he said, do you know what, that's another science one. I don't know the answer to that one, I'm afraid. Walked a bit further down the road, and they saw a cow munching away on the grass, and the boy was thinking, he said, Dad, why is it when the cow eats green grass, we get white milk? And uh, Dad said, I don't know the answer to that one, son. I'm sorry about that. And the boy said to his dad, he said, Dad, you don't mind me asking all these questions, do you? And Dad said, of course not, son. How are you going to learn if you don't ask questions? (laughs) Now, the point of that story is that it's not only good to ask questions, but it's important to ask them of the right person. And in this Bible passage here, we see the disciple of the Lord Jesus called Thomas asking a very important question. And thankfully, he asked it to the right person. In John 14, the Lord Jesus has just told them that he is going away. He's going to go back to heaven after he's died on the cross and risen again. But he's going to come back for them one day again in the future. Something we call the second coming, the rapture of the church when he's coming to take us home. Uh, but he says, he says to them uh, that I am going away in verse 4. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas replies, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? He said, just say, we, we don't know. We don't know how to get there. And uh, we don't know exactly what, where you mean you say you're going when you say you're going to the Father's house. And in answer to that, Jesus doesn't say, well, it's this way and give a series of directions Rather, he points to himself and he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. He not only answers the question, but he answers the major questions that humanity have in their existence, that thinking people have. And he tells us uh, three things that are the answers to the questions that you and I face if we think seriously about life. Life. (laughs) He tells us, how can I be saved? He tells us, how can I be sure? And he tells us, how can I be satisfied? And each one of Jesus' answers uh, deals with those questions of life. So let's have a look at these. This is important. I hope that you've got these questions and uh, want them answered today. First of all, how can I be saved? And the answer of Jesus in verse 6, how can we get to heaven, is I am the way. I am the way. 
Now, this is really, perhaps in some ways, the most important of all the statements that Jesus makes. Because how we are saved, how we're going to get to heaven, is the most important thing for all of us. I know right now there's probably people in this room who have got aches and pains that are making them feel very uncomfortable. And I have deep sympathy with that. My sister is a rheumatoid arthritic and has been since she's been five years old. And I know how much pain uh, there can be in a human body just by watching her and seeing my mum help her get up out of bed in the morning and things like this. But actually, the most important question in our life is not how can I be free of this illness or how can I get more money, but how can I be saved? How can I know I'm going to heaven when I die? Because no matter what else happens in life, if you're not going to heaven when you die, then there's no, there's no point to life, is there? In Mark chapter 8, verse 36, the Lord Jesus Christ said this. He said, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Even if you become the richest millionaire in the world, richer than Bill Gates, what good is that if you still go to hell when you die? There's nothing, no value in that, is there? And so the need for all of us is to know that we're saved. I used to pastor a church near an army barracks and uh, the motto outside the army barracks on one of the posters was this, our job in life is to prepare for war and our job in peace is to prepare for war and the army were always in that mentality, you know, we've got to be ready, we've got to use our time wisely. Well, I thought about that and I thought, you know, that's true for us as well. Our job in life is to prepare for death, isn't it? Our eternity a lot of people think about, oh, where am I going to go to university? Where am I going to go on holiday? What am I going to do when I retire? But what about what comes after all that? You know, no matter how long you live, it's not as long as you're going to be dead. So that ought to be the greatest question for all of us. How can I be saved? And the Lord Jesus answers that question with his statement when he says, I am the way. I'm the way to God. Later on in the verse, he goes hit further and he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the way, in other words, that you come to God the Father. I've been reading a a little missionary magazine from an organization called uh, New Tribes Mission, and it was reporting on uh, some work that they'd been doing, reaching out to a jungle tribe down in Papua New Guinea. And the tribe was called the Mali Yali tribe. I think I'm pronouncing that right. And uh, when they told the people the good news of the Lord Jesus, and it was quite a lengthy process being able to do this and, and translate the Bible for them and things like this, do you know what they found? They called the, the people called the Lord Jesus... They called him the road cutter man. And it made sense to them after a while because they realized these people, anywhere they wanted to go to get out of their village, they had to hack a road and someone had to cut the way for the others to be able to go through. And Jesus had cut a way for mankind to get through to God. And so they called him the road cutter man. I think that's brilliant. But that's what Jesus means when he says, I am the way. And this is what he did by his death on the cross and his resurrection. Because you see, the fact is you and I have a problem with God. And the problem is our sin. Ever since Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, man has been cut off from the presence of God. You remember Adam and Eve ate the fruit of the tree and God drove them out of the, of the Garden of Eden on the east side. And he put an angel with a flaming sword there to guard the way so they couldn't go back. And it was like saying, you're cut off from God. And man has been in that position ever since. And our own sins have added to that. Because every time we do something wrong, we're just compounding the problem of our guilt and our our relationship with God. 
we're offending the God we have to deal with. But Jesus came and he died on the cross to pay the price for our sins so we don't have to. God by right should put, make us pay for our sins in a place called hell. And he's a just judge. He will punish sin. But he came around his own justice by saying, I'll pay it for you so you have a choice. You can be saved and go to heaven if you want to. And God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, came to earth and he died on the cross for your sins and mine. So if we ask him to forgive us, then we will be forgiven and his death will count as our punishment and we will be able to go to heaven. That's why when Jesus died on the cross, a great miracle happened. We read in Matthew 27 verse 51, at that moment the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. It's not the curtains on the windows, it was the curtain to the holy place. And by a miracle it was open, cut open from top to bottom. An invisible hand ripped it open from top to bottom to show man the way is now open. Jesus has died on the cross and the way is now made for you to come back to me. And that's why the Lord Jesus is called the way. But I want you to notice he's called the way, not a way. He doesn't say I'm a way and there's lots of ways. You know, it doesn't matter which one you choose. They're all equal. He says, no, I am the way. I'm the only way. And he really spells it out by saying at the end, no one comes to the Father but by me. In other words, if you don't come to God by me, you're not going to get to heaven. That's the only way to get there. Now, we need to hear that today uh, because we live in a world where people believe in synchronistic beliefs, which says basically that there are many ways. God is like a mountain, and it doesn't matter which way you go up the mountain. It all get to the top in the end. But God isn't like a mountain. There's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. And he is the one you need to trust in. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 in the Bible puts it like this. It says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Lots of people object to that, but I want to say this. That is what the Bible says. And the Bible warns us as well in the book of Proverbs. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. So the devil has made a false way that will mislead you, saying that uh, if you trust in yourself or other things, then uh, you'll be saved and you won't be. It's by Jesus only. You know, when I looked on the calendar, I saw the date for this baptism, the 8th of October. I looked up on, on a list of things I've copied out of books over the years. I'm a reader. I've got a library and I love, love books. And I note down dates of things that have happened. And I've made my own sort of database of on this day, on this day, on this day. And on this day in the year 1871, there was the Great Fire of Chicago in America. A fire which led to hundreds of thousands of people being left homeless and hundreds of thousands of people actually dying in this fire. You know, that night an American preacher by the name of D.L. Moody was preaching in the farewell hall in Chicago with his uh, pianist Ira Sankey next to him. And the service was coming to an end and D.L. Moody said, now I want you all to think about this and come back next week and decide if you want to become a Christian. And that's how he ended the service. Before the service ended, they could hear the sirens outside. And the fire had begun. You know, many of those people in that hall never came back because they didn't live. The fire killed them. And he learned a lesson. Never 
finish a church service without telling people, come today. Come now. Because the devil says, leave it till tomorrow, and then he's got you. The only way of being sure you're going to get to heaven is to come to Christ today. He is the way. And I don't ask you today. I plead with you. I plead with you. As the Bible says, I implore you, be reconciled to God. Put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you and rose again. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And I pray that you will do that. But the question is not only answered, how can I be saved? But also, how can I be sure? Because Jesus answers that by saying in the next part of the verse, I am the way and the truth. Now, lots of people today are searching for the truth, aren't they? Uh, The slogan or the catchphrase of the uh, X-Files television program was, the truth is out there. And uh, people are searching on the internet and uh, all sorts of people are looking for truth in the world. This is what drives people into conspiracy theories because they want to know what the truth really is, you know, rather than what they're being told. And people are searching for truth. Some people are very cynical about it. You know, Pontius Pilate, in the, last, in the trials of Jesus Christ, the last trial, he turned to Jesus and he said, what is truth? And then he walked out the door. He never waited for the answer. What a question to ask the one who is called the truth. He said, I am the truth. And Jesus answers this question, what is truth? People are wanting to know, what is the truth of our origins? What is the right thing about morality? What is our destiny? Where do we go at the end of life? Jesus is the answer to all those things. He says, I am the way and I am the truth. It's very much like uh, 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 we see in the old universities of the world. Did you know one of the things about the old universities of the world was that they all had what was called the queen of the sciences as a mandatory course if you went to university. And the queen of the sciences was theology. If you were going to go to university, you had to learn about God as well. Because they said, you know, it's no good just learning about politics, no good just learning about science and all these other things. All you'll become is a clever devil. What you need is to put your trust in the living God. He is the truth, and he's the one who makes sense of everything else. And that's why they used to do it. Sadly, we've moved away from that now, and the world hasn't got any better because of it, has it? We need to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the truth. And he can not only teach us the truth, he can lead us into the truth and uh, show us the right way. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 20 in the New Testament says, We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, even his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life you say well anybody can say these words anybody can say i'm the truth what's the proof okay i haven't got time because we've gone past 12 it's past uh time for me to go into depth i'll just give you three things as bullets number one proof is prophecy jesus prophesied things that have come to pass and are coming to pass even now in the news today things that uh, the bible says about the last days about israel in the last times those things are happening it's proof that what jesus said is true lots of detailed prophecies we'd love to share them with you it will help build your faith secondly morality jesus had the highest standard of morality for his own life he said to his enemies not to his friends but to his enemies which one of you can accuse me of sin 
Can you imagine saying that to your enemy? Can you imagine saying that to your friends? Your friends would be able to point things out. But even his enemies couldn't show any sin in him. That's why they had to hire liars for his court case. So Christ's morality and his teaching of morality in the Sermon on the Mount is higher than anything we've ever known before. And also we know he's the truth by his victory, his prophecy, his morality and his victory. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave three days later. And you know what? That's what makes Jesus Christ different from every other religious leader in the world. Muhammad is in his grave. Buddha is in his grave. The Hindu leaders are in their graves. Jesus Christ's grave is empty. He has risen from the dead. And that's an assertion and a truth, a testimony of truth. This came home to a young lad by the name of Trevor Ramsey. He was given a Gideon Bible at school. And I don't know if they still give these out anymore, but these little red Bibles uh, they used to give out to kids at school. And he put it away in his drawer in his, in his desk and he forgot about it. But when he was 17, he started thinking about life and the meaning of life. And he thought, where am I going to find the answers? And he pulled out this little Bible and he started reading it. And in his own words, he said this. He says, through a series of circumstances, I started thinking about spiritual things for the first time in my life. And my mind went to the New Testament in my drawer. I looked up the daily readings and for several months I was drawn back time after time to read the portion for each day. I would have to stop and get the book out and start to read even in the middle of a TV program. I was searching for answers to life's most pressing questions. I was talking to lots of people and seemingly getting more and more confused. But the New Testament spoke with clarity and certainty to my young seeking mind. Then in my daily readings, I came to John 14, verse 6, this verse we're looking at. And the words seemed to stand up on the page and hit me between the eyes. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I knew I had been looking for those three things, a way to live, truth in a confused world, and especially life, real life. And here in front of me, were the claims of Jesus Christ that he was all three. Shortly afterwards, following an evening service in church, I bowed my head in the back of a seat, a back seat of a little mini car at the side of the road and repented of my sins and came to Christ. He found the truth in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will find it there too. How can I be saved? Jesus is the way. How can I be sure? Jesus said, I am the truth. But thirdly, how can I be satisfied? Jesus said in verse 6, I am the life. I haven't got time to go into this, but you know full well that the world is looking for satisfaction. Everybody's looking for something that will thrill them and fill them, and they can't find it. The pop songs are all about it. I want it all and I want it now, but they still haven't got it. The Rolling Stones are still singing, I can't get any satisfaction. You know, they're still empty and still looking for it. Jim Carrey, the uh, comedian actor, said, I wish everybody in the world could become filthy rich. Then they would know money doesn't satisfy. That's what the world's looking for. Where can satisfaction come from? Jesus Christ said, I am the life. And he is the only one who can give us a life that is satisfying and real. Because we were made for that life with him. The philosopher Blaise Pascal said this, inside each person that God has made, he made a God-shaped hole in their heart that only he will fit. 
And you can try and fill that hole with all sorts of other things in your life. Sport, fame, money, whatever it is, relationships. And you'll never be satisfied. Because it's made for God. And only God and the Lord Jesus Christ can fill that hole. So you need to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and receive him if you want his satisfaction. He will give you spiritually eternal life now and a quality of life now as well that will last into eternity. You know, at the back of the Bible, it says this. If anyone has the Son, he has life. If anyone does not have the Son of God, he does not have life. I remember when I was a little boy, my Sunday school teacher explained this to us like this. He got some money. Now, I've been stingy. I've used some toy boy, toy money. Okay, yes, uh, Ray Comfort's notes. But uh, he got some money and he had a matchbox. And he put the money inside the matchbox. And he said, now, to whichever one of you boys I give this matchbox, you're going to get the money. Because the money is inside the matchbox. He said, who wants it? And of course, all our hands went up. Now, the point he was making is this. In the same way, life is in Jesus Christ. And if we receive him, we receive his life. And if you've never received Christ as your saviour, then I urge you to do so today, that you may find his salvation, his surety about the future and about the truth of life and his satisfaction in your life even now. Put your trust in him. Receive him as your saviour and lord by resting your faith on him who died on the cross for you. And he will come into your life and you will be his. And uh, it'll begin the road to heaven. But the wonderful thing is, it's all done by him. And his answers are the ones that are true. God bless and thank you for listening. We're going to sing our last hymn now this morning.